0: In Texas. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here for a very special episode today with a dear friend of mine, Jesse McCartney. So now I should also say welcome to all of the Jesse fans. I know that you guys are a strong crew and I'm very excited to have you here today. This is Jesse's first podcast episode, at least his first in a long time. And what an honor that I get to sit down with someone who I have admired for so many years and has become such a dear friend in my life. I won't give you too many spoilers about how we met and how we became friends because that's how we kick off this conversation. But I can promise this conversation does not disappoint. We talk about Jesse's career, what he's learned, the pitfalls of fame, the amazing things, the harder things, and his incredible over two and a half decade long career in music and acting. And he continues to do so many special things. He has a new album coming out. He has a new single coming out. He has a tour that he's embarking on in just a couple months. And just so many exciting things. I'm so happy to just have him in my life and his beautiful wife, Katie. They are phenomenal. And we discuss it all in this conversation. Cannot wait to hear what you think. If you feel inspired to rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify, once you listen, let me know by emailing me. Jordan at TheBalancedBlonde.com. So I can thank you by sending you a free yoga ebook and also entering you into this week's giveaway of a huge wellness box of all of my favorite products. If you go see Jesse in concert in LA, you will definitely see me there. So come say hi. And we just got to get right into this episode. It's so special. So without further ado, let's hop on in. And lastly, we do have a March challenge coming up in my brand new meditation platform. It's so exciting. It launches on March 4th and I am over the moon about it. So we got to get you guys in there. At this special founding members pricing, we have the link in the show notes. And we also have links in the show notes to Jesse's tour and all the amazing things that we discuss in this conversation. So, with that, let's get into the episode. I've been on such a Jesse deep dive all day. Oh boy. What did Um, you find? I watched so many videos of you this morning. I just wanted to see other interviews that you've done mm-hmm. because Jonathan was telling me you've never done a podcast, right?
1: I ha- I'm like not not on this level. I've, uh-huh. I've done I did a few like years ago, like mm-hmm. in their it, many years ago when podcasts were like in their infancy. But no, this is my first time.
0: I'm so yeah. honored, and I also can't believe it because I bet everybody wants to have you on their podcast.
1: Well, I'm overjoyed that it's with you. Someone that I know, I love. I know,
0: I feel so, I love you too. I feel so lucky. So yeah, I watched some videos of you Mm -hmm. on YouTube from like three years ago, five years ago. So fun to see you talking about your whole career. You've had such a span of uh, over the course of pretty much a whole lifetime. Yeah. So we have a lot of stuff to discuss. We do ok, so first, let's just get started by how do we know each other? Everybody's going to want to know yeah. whenever I post with you or anything, people are like, "How do you know Jesse? That's so cool,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, your husband, obviously, Jonathan, is a great friend of mine, and we sort of grew up together. I moved to California from New York. I was born in New York, and I moved in the it was like end of junior year of high school. didn't have many friends came out here to work on a television show called Summerland, which was like a short-lived show on the WB before it was the CW. And I was briefly dating this girl who went to Calabasas High School named Katie Cassidy. Mm -hmm. And she was friends with all of these guys from school. And I was trying to make friends. So she introduced me to a lot of the guys that went to school there. And Jonathan was one of the very few guys, actually, that were very nice and kind to me and like welcoming at a time where, you know, you're a teenager and everyone wants to hate and he was just like one of the good ones. So, and then we just became, stayed friends forever. Yeah. And then you came along.
0: I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that was like 20 years ago that you guys all met. I know. I was just talking to Jonathan about that. And he was explaining it's since high school. So yeah. it's, In some ways, it's kind of like you went to high school with them, like grew up with them. Yeah,
1: 20 years ago. That's crazy to think about. I know. I know. Isn't that
0: so wild? It's wild.
1: But yeah, so Jonathan and uh, a few of his other friends that I'm still close with, Drew, who you know, Mm -hmm. and a couple of the guys from Calabasas. But yeah, Jonathan and I have just remained friends ever since. And we've had years where, you know, there there was like a span in there where, you know, we didn't talk for a while just because our lives were changing. And then Mm -hmm. we sort of like, I don't remember the point in which we like, sort of reunited and became buddies again where we see each other often. But it's nice. It's nice to like have a core group of friends that you can still call back on like crazy memories from 20 years ago. Because I feel like many people don't have those relationships, you know, especially living in a town like L.A. where friendships are few and far between. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just nice to have that like touchstone, you know. It is.
0: There is nothing more special than having the people that you go all the way back with. Yeah. And to even have a couple of those people, it just feels so lucky.
1: Yeah. And you're so I mean, he's lucky too. But he you are so like he is just one of the most genuine, kind hearted, just good he's just a good person, you mm-hmm. know, just he's inside and out. Person. Like every bone in his body just he exudes Success and mm-hmm. happiness, and he's a good one. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you guys met.
0: He has such a pure heart. Yeah. I love that you see it. Yeah, and so does Katie. Yeah. And we're going to get into that yeah. because everybody's going to want to know the whole story about yeah. you and Katie met. Yeah, but let's take it all the way back yeah. to your childhood. Mm-hmm. You grew up in New York. Were you always a performer? Did you love being on stage, acting, and singing?
1: Yeah, I I, I grew up in uh, a little town in Westchester, New York, called Ardsley. It's funny that my friends kind of give me a hard time because they say, You're the second most important person to come out of Ardsley. Mark Zuckerberg went to my school. <laughs> no I was like, way. I, He went to Ardsley High School. I think I was a freshman when he was leaving, when he was a senior going into boarding uh-huh. school before Harvard. But so like it was a very, very small town. So the fact that like anyone came out of there and it was just kind of remarkable. And I, st- I still hear about that all the time. That's
0: so wild. <laughs> but but yeah,
1: I grew up there. My, I was born in Manhattan. I was born in Chelsea, New York in 1987. I'm the oldest of three. My mom and dad were both theater people. My mom went to dance school at UCLA and then transferred to Juilliard. My father was a, a theater major in Rhode Island and they met in the city. My dad was a stage manager for the Rockettes and my mom was out auditioning for theatrical productions. And I, I don't actually know how, where they actually met, but yeah, so they always had the musical theater bone. And when they had kids, they sort of raised us in that in that kind of household. And, and yeah, I think by the time I was like four or five or six, I would start singing to songs on the radio. And I think my parents could hear that I had a good ear and I could I could sing. And by the time I was seven, they you know they were now doing community productions where I grew up just in a small town, just neighboring Ardsley in a town called Irvington. And they did community productions together, the two of them. And when I was old enough, I think I was seven, they said, do you want to audition for the show that's coming to the theater? It's called Oliver. And I was like, yeah. And I saw them perform all the time. So I just thought it would be fun. And that was my first time on stage. I was seven and it was to play Oliver in this like little sort of Victorian style theater outside of Manhattan. And then, yeah, and that was sort of the birth of everything. But it all started as a family, you know, affair. You know, both my parents were very musically inclined, but they both played piano and sang. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it started out as like a family thing.
0: That's so cool. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, Because that was one of my questions was how did your parents know to foster this. You were naturally talented, but then at a young age, you moved to LA mm-hmm. and started acting in soap operas. Like, clearly they knew we've got to pursue this because he's really talented.
1: Yeah, I think they saw something kind of early and and I was always a performer. Yeah. Even in school, I had a hard time paying attention. I really hated school. Like, I just didn't enjoy the curriculum, what we were offered. I went to a public school that was a great school in, in Westchester, but It's just like I was not interested in math or science or history. I loved English and creative writing, but I was never, I could never pay attention. I spent more time trying to figure out how to make people laugh in class and how to, you know, upset the teacher really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I got kicked out of class a lot, but I was just always so focused on this one goal of wanting to leave school and perform and do things outside of the classroom. And so, yeah, I think they saw it early on and they they nurtured it like most families do, whether mm-hmm. it's you grew up in a sports family, you know, you're big into to athletics. We were into music. And yeah, and I think that, that it it paid off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then you moved to L.A. when you were how old?
1: I think I was 16. I came out for a pilot season, which pilot season is basically every year uh, a bunch of networks shoot television shows that they hope do well enough. And then they pick them up and order them for a full season. I came out for a pilot season. It was the first TV show that like, primetime television show that I auditioned for. And it was with Lori Loughlin and Ryan Quanton and Zac Efron. And it was originally called Immediate Family. And we shot the pilot. I was like 15 and a half, maybe 16. And then flew back to New York and just waited. And we didn't hear anything for like a year. And I was in class, like sitting in class. You can imagine I'm already hating being in class, (laughs) waiting to hear if this big break is going to happen. And then it did. And it was just like one of these moments, like, I guess I'm moving to L.A. now. Wow. And it was like going, it was just, yeah, going into my senior year. So by the time I was 17, I was out here full time.
0: Oh, my God. I know. And then when you were on All My Children and you were like 11. Yeah. You didn't live in L.A. during that time?
1: Yeah, that was early. So that was the the first experience I had behind a camera during daytime, you know, the television. I was, I think I was maybe 11 or 12, yeah. And my timelines are awful, so I'm glad you did your mm, research. I did. <laughs> but, yeah, it was all my children back in the day with, like, Susan Lucci and Michael Knight and Katie McLean and Kelly Rippa played my sister at the time. So this was cool. before she went on to do... <laughs> you know, daytime talk show. Uh And I played her younger brother and I was on that show for a few years. And I, so I would, I would leave school. It was in like fifth or sixth grade. I would do my homework basically in the car and my mom would drive me down to Manhattan. It was like a 25 minute drive. And I would shoot all of my scenes between like four and eight or 9 p.m. Get back in the car, go home, go to bed, go to school, do it all for like two and a half, three years. That's all I did.
0: Okay, so that was in New York. That was in New York. But so you've always had a work ethic. That's a lot of work.
1: It was a lot of work. I mean, I, I luckily, I, I was really good with memorizing things. And the one thing I will say about the soap opera world, it is a great place. I mean, you really, it's a harsh reality because you have pages and pages, 50 pages of dialogue. And I, I wasn't a huge leading role, but for an 11-year-old, it's a lot, you know, and so it really helped with my memory skills and being able to memorize big blocks of, of dialogue yeah. at a time. It was a great place to start. But yes, that was a lifetime ago.
0: Literally. That's so cool. Yeah. And then there was Dream Street. Yeah. So was that between those two things, the soap Barbara and Summerland? They
1: kind of overlap. At this time in my life, I was not just going down to shoot things, but I my mom would take me down for auditions, so I, would, I got an agent. like a youth agent when I was living in New York. And I would go down to the city and audition for things like commercials and television shows and movies and all these things. And, you know, you'd book one here and there, but all my children happened. And at the same time, I auditioned for this boy band that they put together. It was originally called Boy Wonder, (laughs) which is hilarious. And it was basically a cattle call of just hundreds of, you know, prepubescent, Kids coming in, singing, dancing, and auditioning, and they just sort of whittled it down over, you know, months, and we got down to like eight guys, and then they they basically, I think they showed us to labels, and and they brought in like focus groups of young girls to see who they liked. Yeah, it was really wild experience, and then they finally they cast five guys, and so Dream Street happened. I want to say in like two thousand ninety, end of ninety nine, early two thousand, and we got signed to Atlantic Records and all of a sudden I was recording music and shooting this show simultaneously. It was a lot. It was full yeah. on. And but it's like it was like everything I sort of envisioned and imagined was sort of happening. And these were the building blocks to what would become a full blown career mm-hmm. just four or five years later. And Dream Street was a big part of that.
0: Yeah, that's so wild. I know. Okay. We are talking Melissa Wood Health by Melissa Wood Tepperberg. She's been one of my favorite guests on this podcast to date, but that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about MWH, her amazing movement, meditation, workout, nutrition, and lifestyle platform that can help you strengthen both your body and your mind with workouts, meditations, nutrition, and lifestyle content that you can easily commit to. So I started doing Melissa's workouts religiously during 2020 when we were all at home She is such a good guide. She offers a blend of yoga and Pilates classes, which are my favorite thing, that sculpt and tone your entire body. And this year, MWH launched their seven-day reset and renew program that features both guided workouts and meditations, as well as a week-long nutrition program so that you can feel your best from the inside out. Melissa is such a profound thought leader. She's changing the way that people approach fitness and mindfulness. Most of all, I can just speak from personal experience. She has changed my approach to fitness and mindfulness. She's so authentic. She walks the walk. She makes me excited to get on her platform every day. She's just an inspiration. She's soothing. She's comforting. She's everything. So as Melissa says herself, don't trust me, try me. Visit melissawoodhealth.com and use the code BALANCED at checkout to get your first month for free off of your monthly membership. Such a big deal. That dot com and use the code BALANCED for your first month free. I think everyone who knows me and listens to this podcast knows that I struggle with my sleep. I have been having a tough time sleeping my whole life, and it has always thrown me for a loop. But what I love, 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 is my Hatch Restore. It has helped me create bedtime and morning routines that make sleeping better such a priority. I love the Hatch Restore. I actually discovered Hatch Because of my son, my toddler son, he uses a hatch. And when he moved into his own room, when he was about six months old, my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, we need a hatch. (laughs) So we got a hatch restore. It's a device that teaches your body when it's time to sleep and when it's time to wake up with nighttime and morning routines so that you can prioritize rest. With Hatch Plus, you can access exclusive content like Pillow Talk, which is a new audio series designed to entertain you to sleep. Pillow Talk helps you wind down with the types of TV shows that you love, from true crime to sports, but without the screens that hurt healthy rest. And we all know, I certainly know, I am a culprit of using those screens. So this has been so helpful for me in just creating Better sleep habits, which is one of my foundational tips for success and for living a truly successful, healthy, happy, balanced life. So, right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash balanced. Visit hatch.co slash balanced to get $20 off plus free shipping hatch.co slash balanced. You will love it. I had a crazy memory when I was going down memory lane researching you. I saw Dream Street. Did you really? Like, I literally might have met you. No way. I think it was, okay, it was at, like, a larger festival. It was, like, a, a, I don't know if it was, like, a Nickelodeon or, like, I I was young. So, Uh I was, because I'm, like, four years younger than you guys. Uh I was going to say,
1: because that, you must have, I was 11 or 12 when I was cast. You were probably eight or seven or eight. Oh, for sure. And I went
0: with my mom and my best friend and her mom, and I met Dream Street. Like, I probably have a photo with you, and I just wish my parents were home right now. They're in LA because I want to find it. I
1: would die if you found that. I'm gonna find.
0: I'm gonna look for it. I I know that I have it somewhere, (laughs) and it all came flooding back to me. That's crazy. Isn't that full circle? It
1: is full circle. I
0: know. It was so. Where would
1: I? So it would have been. Because you grew, you, where did you grow
0: Sacramento. up? Sacramento.
1: Okay, so, I yeah. Think I think it mean, was we did travel in, a in the lot, Bay Area, so. okay, maybe I yeah. remember. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's like a vague memory, but it was like, would you guys have been at like a Nickelodeon so festival? That's the
1: thing is like we started out with such a like tri-state area in New York following. We really kind of, it was like this grassroots effort and we really built this fan base on the East Coast. But then once we got signed, we did end up traveling quite a bit and doing things like, Disneyland and mm-hmm, performing at mm-hmm. Disney World and those sort of things and Nickelodeon places. And so we did end up in uh, California for a little bit there. So it is, po- we probably,
0: yeah. It, it totally happened. Like it is a memory that I now have, have recalled. I'm going to find, gonna find it. Yeah. Like it's amazing. So, okay. So then you were doing that and yeah. you were acting. Mm-hmm. And where does your or at least that like where does your biggest passion lie between acting and singing?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have I get very bored easily. And I also I am one of those people that I can't like I have a hard time focusing on multiple things at once. Like it's hard for me to put all of my energy into multiple things. Like I need to really focus on one thing at a time. So I go through phases where I'll spend a lot of time just acting years at a time and then and then switching over to music to pick one is is really hard. You know, I I love entertaining in general. I think performing, it's sort of a broader umbrella, but it really is the truth. Like there's no safer place for me than being on stage performing. So and I think a lot of even performing in music requires a lot of acting because you are putting on a show and you're in many ways with certain songs, you're playing a certain character or role. I enjoy shooting TV for the mere fact that it's, like, such a great schedule, you know? I was on a show for Freeform Network about eight or nine years ago called Young and Hungry, and it was just such a good schedule. It was at CBS Radford here in Los Angeles, which was 10 minutes from my house. I'd wake up, show up on a Monday at, like, 10 a.m. We'd do some rehearsals till, like, 2 p.m. Day was over. Shoot a couple days— and then you had like a three-day weekend. It's like the best schedule. Shoot mm-hmm. a TV schedule, especially a com- like a multi-cam comedy. Music is a lot more demanding of your time and your energy. Touring is, it just gets harder and harder <laughs> as I get yeah. older. But I don't know that I I really have a favorite, you know. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what, what the actual project is, I mm-hmm. guess.
0: Totally. And then during that time, that's when you blew up and became a household name. Beautiful Soul came out yeah. and you were on girls' posters yeah. in their room all over. Yeah. What was that like to go from, you were working hard for this, yeah. and then to truly become so well-known?
1: It was a whirlwind, and certainly Beautiful Soul. I think Summerland was, like, the big seed that was planted, mm-hmm. and then when Beautiful Soul came out, that was a huge pivotal turning point in my life, where all of a sudden it went from, like, people in New York stopping me, and, like, old ladies in Macy's, like, I know you from all my children, to, like... Yeah. To like screaming pre, you know, teens. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like a huge adjustment. And it's funny because there's a part of me that loves performing and loves putting it on. And then, But when that happened, I sort of for a, a, a year or so there kind of retreated a little bit because it was so much attention all at once. And, you know, with you have such a young, impressionable mm-hmm. mind and you, you're thinking so many things. And it's an awkward year, too. I had braces at one point and terrible acne, and there was, like, things going on that I was insecure about. And then here I am, like, in front of all these people coming up to me, and it was intense. I mean, looking back on it, I never, I mean, I would never change anything, but it was, I'm just so happy I had such a great family and and support system from friends and family that that could sort of protect me and shield me from a lot mm-hmm. of the BS that goes on. But I did grow up quick in those years. I mean, I, it was for, you know, all of a sudden I was traveling to Japan and Italy and all these places I never dreamed of go. I barely knew existed. There were countries I was going, I was like this, I didn't even know this was, I mean, like I said, I never paid attention in geography class. So I didn't <laughs> know half of these places. And here I am stamping passport after passport. And it was incredible. I mean, it was just crazy that people oversee the concept that people from a different nation would know my name and know these songs. Yeah, it was a whirlwind and there was a there was definitely some rough moments but there was a lot of great moments mm-hmm. I and mean, mostly great, you mm-hmm. know. So
0: That's so cool. I know. Yeah, it's amazing. That was the main question that I had for you was you've been so grounded and so stable and you've really come up as a child star someone so known and you didn't have one of those like public breakdown kind of things that a not lot of yet. people have <laughs> and you're not going to like not no yet. it's not you're you're no. such a grounded person oh, and it with such a down to earth head on your shoulders and personality so do you attribute that to your family and also what else other than family yeah i
1: definitely like i said i i definitely all of the credit for for that it goes to my folks who you know were just grounded people and very kind-hearted good people. I mean, they just they they brought me up well. They instilled in me manners and and ethics and and all of the things that, you know, make you a, a good person and and they they gave me a good moral compass, you know, mm-hmm. and and they were guardrails for me along the way so that I could, you know, they let me sort of hit both sides but always kind of kept me on the road and you know on the straight and narrow and I certainly had moments where I felt like in looking back, I could see, like, ooh, that was probably getting to my head a little bit, you know, in certain areas. But I always remembered—I forget who it was. I'll think of who it was. Somebody told me—I think it was, like, Rosie O'Donnell.
0: <laughs> I love that. Had told
1: me that, you know, just—it's it, a classic saying, but, like, you know, it doesn't—don't it, think this will last forever. And the people that you're nice to now are always going to remember that. And the people that you're not will definitely remember it. Mm-hmm. And you know i just didn't ever want that to be a thing where people had a bad taste in their mouth from an experience that they've had with me and so look we've all had bad days for sure but you know i think part of the responsibility of getting to that next level is to use that influence to spread good mm-hmm. and to be a good person i've tried to always maintain that in my life and still you know so
0: yeah and you do. you and do I've an seen, amazing job. Thank
1: you. And I've seen i I've seen growing up. I've seen a lot of the mistakes that yes. my counter, you know, my peers have made, and just thinking like, oh God, I would be so embarrassed if that was me. Yeah. You know, I just, so it's you know, I'm still trying. You know, I'm yeah. still. It's you know, but uh, what has
0: that transition been like from like teen pop star with yeah. like this huge teen following who. Yeah. Goes, by the way, is still in love with you. And they follow me because I know you. Like, yeah. it's, it's so cool and amazing. Yeah. You're incredible fan. Dumb. It's so cool. What was that transition like then to now be like a, an adult doing music a, a, and a, all the things? a married
1: man. It's been really nice. And I think I found a lot more peace in, in the last, I would say, f- probably five years, even 10, but really the last five years, really since I met my wife. I've discovered like what really matters and like the things that matter in my life are just so different Mm -hmm. from what they, from what mattered when I was in my early twenties. And for me, it's like, it's family and it's relationships and being outdoors and enjoying, you know, not being on my phone all the time Mm -hmm. when I, when I can be, I, yeah, I think that, you know, it's just, just time and, and age and, and growing up and living and traveling and, uh, having a better understanding of how the world works, you know, when you're young, you, you don't really know how you, you're just carefree. You don't really think about that stuff. And now reflecting on it, I think it's just uh, a matter of experience and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and knowing what really counts and what really matters. So, Katie, I think, was a big part of that. We met. I know you, we were going to get into this at in some point, yes. but we met 12 years ago at a bar, and it was like closing time, and she was waitressing. She was she was bartending. And I got invited to a party and she it was like after hours, like they were they had shut down the bar and I like walked over. I was like, hey, can I please have a drink? Like, I know it's out, and she was very annoyed, <laughs> but she she gave me a drink anyway. And I just felt kind of bad. I was like, listen, I'm so sorry. And I thought she was really cute. Mm-hmm. And and I gave her my number. I said, hey, I'd love to take you out. And I wrote my number down and like gave her. then She's <laughs> she turns around. She goes, you didn't put your name on it. Oh and it was God. just like such a of course like <laughs> yeah. idiot moment. And, and then we exchange info and sort of the rest was, was history and, and we ended up dating for for many months. But meeting her was a huge turning point in my life. It just it I started to grow up and become a better person, really. And she she made me a better person. My priorities changed immediately once I committed to to her.
0: Mm-hmm. So amazing. Yeah. I can't believe it's been twelve years.
1: It's crazy.
0: Okay. So something I feel like a lot of people don't know is that as we age, we accumulate something called senescent cells. So senescent cells are what cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and pains, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. I'm not even middle-aged and I often feel all of those things. They are also known as zombie cells. They're old and worn out cells. They are not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they are taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. So what I love is that qualia senolytic is this incredible, incredible option. It removes these worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. All you need to do is take it for two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free. The ingredients are meant to complement one another and they factor in the combined effect of all of the ingredients together. They have a 100 day money back guarantee And I have had such a positive experience using Qualia products over the years. This one is just my newest favorite. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash balanced for up to $100 off and use the code balanced at checkout for an additional 15% off. Okay, I am so excited to talk to you guys about BTR Nation. Ever since I met the founder, Ashley, she's coming on the show in just a couple days. I have been obsessed with BTR Nation. They are on a mission to fix our broken food system, a girl after my own heart, one better for you snack at a time. When the founder, Ashley, lost both her parents to rare forms of cancer She spent four plus years eating horrible junk food in the hospital of any machines, which is, by the way, the only option at many hospitals. And she was inspired to figure out that we can do better. And she wants to make the world a better place with healthier food and healthier ingredients. So she took the snacks that she was making for her parents, which were low in sugar, and had seriously simple ingredients as well as boosted with purpose-driven superfoods and adaptogens and she brought them to the world. That's how BTR Nation was born. BTR Nation is not just another better for you brand making marginal changes for the food industry. They're doing it all. 1% of sales is donated to organizations committed to cancer research, holistic healing and advocacy. BTR stands for Be Bold, Tenacious, and Resilient, which is the founder's family mantra. Exclusively for the Balanced Swan listeners, use code BALANCED for 20% off site-wide and free shipping at btrnation.com. And you guys got married yeah. two years ago, yeah, two just, and a half. Yeah, just over two years ago. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. I was super pregnant. And <laughs> it was remember. one of the most beautiful weddings Aww. of literally of all time. Yeah. It was so special. It was a special weekend. Yeah. What can you tell the listeners about that day for people who <sighs> were not there?
1: Well, we, you know, we had been to, we got married up in Carmel at this place called the Santa Lucia Preserve. And it's this like huge plot of private land that apparently people live on. It's gotta be the Do most they? beautiful place. Yeah. Oh, so pretty uh, one of her I think one of her sorority sisters, her father owned property there and he got us permission to get married on this this little oh. piece of this piece, this big piece of land. And we really fell in love with Carmel because we'd been there, I think, for her thirtieth birthday, and we love wine tasting and we love food, and they have just unbelievable French food up there. And so we had been a couple times. And I love California. I love the California coast. And I think we kind of both thought, like, this would be a great place to get married one day. And when we were scouting out locations and stuff, we just kept coming to Carmel. We just like, that is, nothing beats this. And, yeah, but she, she did all. I mean, we had a, a wedding planner, but really Katie was like, you know, You haven't seen a Pinterest board Mm -hmm. until you see.
0: Oh my God. I could tell by the wedding. wedding. (laughs) It was a phenomenal (laughs) wedding. Like, I have never seen something so beautiful. Thanks. The uh, white rose petals. Yeah. On the whole entire aisle. Yeah. I mean, it was it's a memory that I'll, that it will always exist yeah. in my mind. Oh, that's so, so sweet.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. We want to go back mm. every, we talk about it every week. Yeah.
0: You need to. <laughs> I know. You gotta go. Remember we were right next to you guys at the hotel yeah. when you got married. Our yep. our room was right next to yep. yours. Yep. Such a beautiful place. It
1: was a beautiful place. Oh my gosh. I know.
0: Wow. Well, I we're know. so happy for you guys. Yeah. We love you guys. Uh, we love you too so fun. And okay, everybody's going to want to know this. Do you oh, guys yeah. want to have kids at some point?
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, we're we've been talking about that for a couple of years. We were waiting for the right time, but yeah, we're we're on a mission now and we're trying to make it happen, and and we'll see.
0: You're going to be the best parents. <laughs> Today, you broke the internet. So this is coming out next week. So uh-huh. last week, yeah. you broke the internet. There's yeah. a photo of you yeah. in a pregnant yeah. belly. Yeah. And even I, who literally knew that you were doing this photo shoot, was right. like, oh my God, Katie and jo-. Wait, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we
1: did this sort of like guerrilla marketing campaign for this new single called Make a Baby, which is out. And we did a photo shoot with... I actually called you yes. and I said, this is fun for the listeners. I called Jordan and I said, hey, I'm doing this photo shoot. The song is called Make a Baby and I need like pregnant models. <laughs> Would you be willing? And And you were down. And then like a couple of days later, you realize, we realized that like you weren't quite preg- or showing Not enough for the enough. photo. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have another one of our friends, Ashley Lipson, who is the girl in this photo where I'm like sort of resting against her belly. And it's just... Me and her belly and we sort of cryptically put on Instagram just like the pregnant emoji and just blasted it out. And we did sort of I mean, I have like family members still texting me. Like, I, what's going I on? I
0: almost texted you guys, even though it's so funny because you did call me to be a part of it. So yeah. I knew it was happening. Yeah. It was it's just one of those tricks of the mind. Yeah. It's like, whoa Wait, what's happening? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the idea was to sort of get, you know, people talking and talking about the song. But but yeah, no, we're we're not pregnant, not yet. But the song was inspired by sort of you know talking about making a family, yeah. And, and it's a really fun, goofy, playful song. But but yeah, no, it it comes from a serious place because I think we both want that, and yeah. So you know,
0: that was amazing. I loved reading the comments. People were like, "I don't think it's Katie because she's not even tagged." Well, we <laughs> had to, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I know we had
1: to. We had to call our folks like the, uh-huh. the night before, like, "Hey, listen, there's a photo coming out tomorrow. Just you know, it's not, it's not us. We're not pregnant." And they were like, okay, thank God you, you told yeah, us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. How fun. Yeah. How do you come up with all these creative ideas? Are they all you? Do you no, have a team? I mean, I
1: I have a great team, mm-hmm. an amazing uh PR team or PR team and social media team and people that do, you know, do this for a living. Cause to me it's like I'm getting better at it, but navigating social media is not only is it one of my least favorite things to do, it's just hard to be that quippy and creative on a daily basis where you're trying to build engagement and generate more, you know, of an audience. And so, yeah, we have an incredible team and a lot of like that idea actually, I think came from, I think Gravy's manager said, what if we split the photo? So it's not the two of you and reveal the song right away. It's actually just you and a pregnant belly and then Gravy. And I think Gravy posted his later in the day and it was more, just to sort of build that that Mm -hmm. buzz. But yeah, I mean, when you try to, I'm an independent artist and have been for 10 years and what you're trying to do is just use what you have with the resources you Mm -hmm. have to, to, you know, you know how that goes. I do.
0: I absolutely do. So, okay. So for those of us who don't know the music industry that well, independent artist means you're not on a label. Yeah. But you were on a label previously. I
1: was. I was on a label. I've been over the years signed to several, but... I was at Hollywood Records for the majority of my career. And then once the contract was up, a new president came in. We went our separate ways. And I started my own company called 808 Records. And now I basically, I am my own functioning label. And everything that I put out is through my label. And so, yeah. So this is actually the Make a Baby Song is my first release with another artist through my label. Oh, cool. Which is really interesting. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. But there's like so much more paperwork when you're doing this on your own and like trying to know the finances and how the business models work. And I'm still trying to like catch up and have a great lawyer, but I am, you know, constantly trying to keep myself educated on how it works and how to negotiate things. And that's been the, probably the biggest challenge of the last, I would say, five years of my career is like really doing it all on my own. And on my own, of course, Caveat being that I have a huge team with me, uh, but it is really, you know, Mm -hmm. it's on my own. I mean, I'm doing this without a major marketing arm, without huge, you know, super deep uh, record label pockets. So you have to be more creative than ever mm-hmm. and so yeah that's why you have a team with you creative totally. minds yeah
0: But you prefer it as opposed to being on a label because you probably have so much creative freedom and so all much creative
1: that. freedom no one's telling you when you need to put out a new song a new release when you need to tour mm-hmm. those were all demands that pe- that big labels that still make of their artists and Yeah. I'm just so blessed to be in the position that I'm in because I have that freedom now to do it the way I want to do it and when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And around my schedule now, you know, starting a family and stuff like that's going to be even more important in the years to come. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. And financially, it's better, too, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, because you know what you're spending and you know what's coming in. Yes. And you don't have a label taking 99 percent of it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great. That's the thing that I
0: hear about. like. It's just so it's wild. I
1: I don't know how art young artists do it any like really Mm -hmm. do it anymore. It's just it's crazy. It's hard.
0: It's freaking crazy. But you're doing it the smart way, but it's the harder way because you also have to do the business side of things. Yep. And then something that I feel like a lot of people don't know about you is that you're a songwriter for other artists. Yeah. And you've written some huge songs. Yeah. Can you tell us what some of those are?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there I've had some big songs in my career that I didn't pen, but I would say the biggest song that I wrote was not for me. It was for Leona Lewis back in 2008. I wrote a song with Ryan Tedder, who's the lead singer of One Republic, and we wrote Bleeding Love, which was originally... Supposed to be on my album, and this is back when I was with Hollywood Records, and it was like one of those cl- cliche classic stories of the A and R team hating the song and thinking like, "Oh, this isn't right. It's not good." They, they were like super condescending in their emails too. They are like, "What is this bloody heart <laughs> record?" And I was like, "It's called Bleeding Love, and it's a great song." Yeah. And they're like, "Well, we don't think it's for you." And this is a great example of why being independent is great because they basically said we don't want you to put this out. And I kind of had to, and it worked out because actually instead of that song, we put out leave in, which would become my, Mm -hmm. my first number one record. Mm -hmm. But Ryan Tedder pitched it to Simon Cowell, who was the, you know, the judge on American Idol, but also X factor. And Leona Lewis had just won X factor in the UK and he pitched it. He heard it. He loved it. And Leona recorded it. And she's got just the most beautiful power powerhouse voice you've ever heard. And she she wrote, she wrote recorded the song, and then all of a sudden, it was just the biggest song of mm-hmm. not just the year, but of like the decade. It became, Literally. yeah, I mean, it was a big, it was like a really validating moment in my life as a writer. Because at that point, I know people had seen me as a singer and a vocalist, but there's definitely, there's no question there's a little bit more credibility that comes with writing your own stuff. And all of a sudden I could feel the the room change, you know, where other writers and other people that I grew up loving and admiring were coming up to me and saying like, hey, good job. And that was yeah. like everything for me. Yeah, you know? so, that's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a great moment. Yeah.
0: Especially... And funny enough,
1: the, that song I just found out was just re-released by a Latin artist named Carol G. And Carol G and Tiesto just did a remix called Contigo, which is it's in Spanish, Uh but they use Bleeding Love as the chorus. So they sampled the song. So now it's like a whole new generation is getting to hear Bleeding Love, which is super cool. Oh,
0: I need to listen to that. Yeah. And especially after the uh, rejection, semi-rejection from like your label not wanting you to sing it. It's kind of like, look how big this song is. You want
1: to hear a great spiteful story about that? Yes, please. So the song comes out, it becomes huge. And we're sitting down at uh, the ASCAP Awards, which is—the ASCAP Awards are for writers, and it, it honors the best songs of the year, the biggest songs of the year. And Bleeding Love was nominated for best song of the year and wins. And the guy who sa- who wrote that email who was like, this isn't a good song, uh-huh. was sitting at my table. Oh,
0: my God. And,
1: and we win. It's like song of the year, Jesse McCartney, Ryan Tedder, and we get up, and it's like the biggest writer's— of our time are in this room and then there's John and I could see and I kind of let him off the hook but I did give him one of those like winks at the table (laughs) and he was like you're right you're right
0: oh my god it was a really full
1: circle moment that is such a
0: good moment yeah It's such an amazing song. Oh, thanks. Oh, my God. What are some other songs that you've written for other artists?
1: Ah, geez. For other artists, I mean, I did some Disney stuff for Ashley Tisdale. And I don't know if Hillary ever recorded any. I think she recorded something, but I don't know if it ever came out. Who else? Uh, There's been some other Disney artists, a lot of indie indie artists. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was definitely by far the biggest. And then, of course, you know some of my own stuff, right? So had, you know, Body Language, which was a big record that I did with T-Pain back in 2008 or nine. I think charted in the top 10. And that was an interesting story where I I recorded back in the day, Pepsi used to do, can I say Pepsi on this show?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: They did a, this thing called Pepsi Smash where it was like other pop artists would sing other pop artists songs that were in the top 10. And I sang Buy You a Drink by T-Pain with my band. And played it and recorded it was on YouTube and it went viral on YouTube. This is the early days of virality and social media. And T-Pain came up to me at the Video Music Awards Was like, hey, man, I heard your song. Thanks for doing it. We should work together. And then within months, we so I would say that was probably the second biggest record Uh that I wrote after that. But, yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind of writing and recording. And for every hit song you have, there's hundreds that will never see daylight, you know.
0: And do you ever go through writer's block or times where you're just creatively not feeling it? Uh Totally.
1: All the time. I mean, I think between each project, there's at least a year or two that goes by where I just need to decompress and think of what it is I want to do next. And then one day I wake up and it's like, okay, I have a good idea. And it's usually just like a small little seed of something. And then it motivates me to get in the studio. And Mm -hmm. then once I'm in the studio again, it just starts flowing and coming out. But there's definitely been times where I've forced myself to get in the studio just for the sake of doing it. And sometimes it works, but often it doesn't. Most times it doesn't. And I just find myself like deflated leaving the studio like mm-hmm. this was awful. This sucks. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you need time to sort of live life and get inspired by things, mm-hmm. by new things that happen to you. And I think writing about things that you've been through and know about are the most powerful and certainly the most inspired and honest. So yeah, I definitely try to take time in between projects and think of what's
0: next. Mm -hmm. It's hard as a fellow creative person. It's hard. I get it. Like, yeah. there are the times where you feel like you're on fire and the times where it's just, you can't even... I feel even... like
1: it flows out of you more than anyone I've met, though. Really? Like, yeah. You're, first of all, your writing is incredible. Thank and I've you. read uh, some, uh, on social media, I read all your stuff. And you just have like, it just feels like it flows out of you. Like, it. I mean, do you feel like you ever get blocked up? I do. Okay. I
0: totally get blocked. Well, it doesn't
1: look, it doesn't look like it Thank from what you. I read.
0: I mean, I have my times where I'm like blocked and I'm feeling sick and yeah. down and... And then I have the times where I feel really aligned and mm-hmm. it does channel through and feels like it's coming from another realm for me because that's kind of you know my What you're thing. good
1: at is you're really good at sharing when it is that way for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas many people, including myself, they don't want to talk about when they're blocked mm-hmm. or feeling down or sick or alone or just they don't share that part of it. They only show and reveal in front of the curtain what's shiny and polished. And you're good at at showing all of it, which I think is what makes you so relatable and accessible to so many people, because it's like this real spirit that you get out of uh, out of you, you know? Thank and, you. yeah oh
0: Yeah, I try. I yeah. think it's important because we're, we're all human and yeah. we all feel these things. We could
1: all take a lesson from from you. It's 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 really nice. You know, I mean, there's literally I, I go through so many days where I'm like, oh, what am I doing? What is this? This is awful and i could never dream of sharing that and mm-hmm. when i see you do it it's like oh that's kind of interesting angle it's inspiring to do i think your fans would love it by yeah. the way they just want to get <laughs> they
0: just want time with you yeah. like they want to hear from you yeah what's your favorite song that you've ever and done whether you wrote it or whether you didn't write it uh, if you have
1: favorite babe? song i think that this last this literally this last project this All's Well ep that is coming out april 5th it's the new EP. It's the, it's a collection of like four it's five songs, one is a remix, so it's actually four songs. But what was fun about this project and most exciting is that I got to get back in the studio and play everything live with a real band, which I haven't done in so many years and I think it's a an art form that's really lost in pop music today because everyone and in many ways it's great, but you know, many every, most people now sit behind their computer and program everything behind a laptop, and modern technology is made it so easy for writers in the middle of nowhere that are trying to write something great and that's great but i really just missed playing with live musicians and for this project we had writ- i'd written these songs and Morgan Taylor Reed who produced it came in and was like, you know, these songs are very 70s Hall & Oates sounding. Why don't we actually get real players and play like they used to? (laughs) Which shouldn't be like this, you know, groundbreaking idea, but it it really kind of felt like it at the time. It was like, oh, yeah, we can still do that. So we rented a studio in Santa Monica called The Village Recording Studio. It's a legendary studio where so many classic albums have been recorded. And we put together drums, bass, guitar, rhythm section, live horns, live lead, lead guitar and and basically recorded the songs live like from beginning to end. We would just do 10, 15, 20 passes of each song and, and then just like pick and choose the best parts. But it was just so inspiring to be playing again with live players. And these are guys that have played and girls that have played on people like John Mayer and Avril Lavigne and Alanis Morissette, like some of the most legendary albums. And it's just like it was just so cool to do that all over again, and it made the song sound very authentic, which I love.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I can't wait to yeah. listen. Yeah. So that's what's coming out in March. Yeah,
1: it's the the EP is called All's Well, and that's coming out April fifth. Okay, April, April fifth. Yeah.
0: Yep. Right before your birthday. Right before time. my birthday. Yeah, because yeah. you're in Aries. I am an and Aries. we're going we're gonna to get into that. Oh, boy. But, okay, that's so exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. And then, oh, something I was going to say. This is just worth mentioning. You've had the same manager for... Ever, right? And I feel like that's so rare. Yeah. And she's like part of our group of friends. I mean, everybody loves her. Shout out to Sherry.
1: Shout out to Sherry Condor. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry, I mean, Sherry was one of the first people that sort of just a quick brief history. She had this kids group called the Sugar Beats. This was before Dream Street, sort of in between my, you know, soap and Dream Street. I was like nine years old. And at the time I had been doing a lot of voiceovers in New York, New York City, like for, you know, Goldengrams and Charmin and like doing little jingles singing and, you know, singing like cha-cha-cha Charmin. And like, and so she, she calls and she's like, hey, I have this kids group. Do you know of any male singers? I'm having trouble finding young male singers. And this woman recommended me and I went to her place. And she had this kids' group called Sugar Beats, and it was basically young children singing old 60s, 70s, 80s retro music. It was sort of the catalyst for kids bop. Do you know kids bop? Mm-hmm, yeah. So it was like the precursor to kids guys. She kind of invented this idea, and it was a huge success. She did like, I don't know how many albums, six, seven, eight albums, and they sold tons of records. And that was how we met. And then years later, when it was time to do my solo project, she brought me in. She's like, do you want to do some solo music? And, one of the first songs I recorded. In fact, I think it was the first song I recorded was Beautiful Soul. Wow. And it was before I was even signed. And we had this song just sitting around.
0: Oh my God. Anyway, so
1: Sherry's been around for a long time, twenty plus years. Yeah. And she's still my manager and still she's family, you yeah. know. Yeah,
0: that's so special. I know. And I feel like that's so rare. It, it is. It's really cool. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into your astrology. Okay. Did you look at your birth chart?
1: I not or to, sorry,
0: not your birth chart. Your birth do you know your birth time?
1: I don't, I, yeah, I think I sent it to you. I think okay, it's 11. Yeah, I think and it's we're gonna I think pull my, it out. Yeah, pull it and up. And then we're
0: going to look it all up, which is so fun. Oh, yeah, you sent this to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. 11 um,
1: something. 11. Oh, you
0: actually have this. You have your chart right here. That's, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, so you are in Aries, which we knew. Yeah. Your moon sign is Leo, which is so fitting to you because that's, the person who's on stage, the performer, the okay. person who's comfortable, like. Yeah, you have to tell me what all these I'll things I'll mean. I'll tell you what all okay. this means. And then you're a cancer rising. So that's your. Okay. So let me just explain all this to okay. you. So you're rising is your outer appearance, your, your public appearance, the way that people see you. Okay. And so I'm not surprised that you're a cancer rising because mm-hmm. cancers are sensitive. They're uh-huh. in touch with their emotions. Yeah. They're very easy con- to connect with. Mm-hmm. They're caretakers, nurturers of the people in their lives. Like that's how your friends see you. Uh And then your moon, that's your emotional landscape. Okay. So like your heart and how you process your feelings. Okay. A Leo moon is so comfortable, like in the public eye, which just makes a ton of sense because it's hard for a lot of people. It would be hard for a lot of people to do what you do, Uh but this Leo moon gives you confidence. It gives you fire. Yep. It's a fire sign, just like your Aries sun. So you're double fire with a little bit of water, which is the cancer that balances you out.
1: Puts the fire out a little bit.
0: (laughs) And then your sun. That's, I mean, that's just like, you know, that's your identity. That's who you are. And you're such an Aries because you're quick with your ideas. Like Aries are so passionate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I definitely feel passionate mm-hmm. for sure. Like that definitely, all those things sound pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And we'll also look up your human design because okay. we have your time, but we'll do that in a second. Okay. I also, Jonathan wrote a question for you that I have to ask. Okay. If you could collaborate with five artists,
1: Ooh, five. who
0: would be your top, or maybe three? Five okay. is a lot. Who would be like your dream collaborations?
1: Uh, dead or alive? Dead or alive. Okay. Mm. I mean, it would have been so fun. I mean, it would have been, he never would have done it. <laughs> but I mean, Prince to me was like one of my favorite human beings. Just, he was just a musical genius and that I don't think we've seen since on that level. I just remember growing up watching videos of him and listening to all of his albums. Prince and Michael were like why I got into pop music and Elvis Presley for sure. So Prince would be one. I would say, I know John, Jonathan will like this. John Mayer is definitely one of my favorites and I've got a great story about John Mayer from Australia. Oh
0: my God, we have to uh, hear.
1: But yeah, uh, John Mayer and I would also say, hmm, what's going to be my third artist? Oh man, I really, I mean, it's funny because I I know her. But Carol King was, like, a huge influence. My parents listened to Carol growing up, and she's, like, one of those songwriters that I admired and loved so much. She actually came to a studio session of mine recently, which was, like, oh, cool. just such a cool moment. I don't know that she's really performing much anymore, but it would it would be so cool to have a, at least a writing session with her. I would say those are probably three of my—and, of course, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney.
0: Oh. Like, oh, my God. You know, Jesse McCartney and Paul dream? McCartney. Yeah. I mean, kind of has McCartney to McCartney squared.
1: I love it. Yeah. I
0: love that. Love him. Love everybody that you just mentioned. So, what's the John Mayer story?
1: Oh, so the John Mayer story is in 2006, I was in Australia and I was on the basically the Tonight Show of Australia. It was called Rove Live. And I was performing that night and found out that John was performing the same night and we met backstage and he was just like the most gracious person because i had just released this second album was the right where you want me album it was my sophomore release and there was a song on there that you would only would have known if you dug through the album and listened to it it was a deep cut like a b-side and he was like hey man i really like that song right back in the water and this was like not a single and like you know i'm Very, just came off my debut release. He's John Mayer, multi-Grammy award-winning. And I think he saw us perform this, or he saw my guitar player, knew he was fantastic. This guy, Dory LaBelle, who's still one of my dear friends. But he he said, I I really love that song. And I was like, really? (laughs) Right back in the water? That song? It's like track eight and was never going to see the light of day. And and then all of a sudden I like I went home and I just remember listening to that song <laughs> yeah. like over. I was like, wow, this is really good. And then we went to an award show the next day called the Aria Awards, which were like the Grammys in Australia. We both lost and we ended up at the same hotel bar. Having drinks at the bar and just end up going back to his room and jamming for like three hours in his room, like drinking out of his mini bar. Oh my and god. And he played. He's like, ready for this? And he plays right back in the water. Like no. knew it on the guitar. No. It was mind blowing. And that and Dory, so cool. the guitar player that I wrote it with, is sitting there and he's like, I can't believe John's playing my chords. And um, it was just like one of those. Moments you never forget. You That's know? It's the like, coolest
0: thing I've yeah, ever heard. It's a really cool so moment. So he memorized your song. Like knew
1: the song, memorized it, and was like playing with it. I'm singing my own song, John Ayers, <laughs> accompanying my singing. It was just- I wish uh, that was on video. It was so cool. That's Me too. so We cool. actually have some of it on video and it was really cool. We re- I reached out or Dory reached out and said, hey, do you mind if we share this? And he wrote back this really lovely email that was just like, you know, I, I actually, I, I think it's better that we don't share it. I'd like oh, to remember cool. that for just us. And he's like, send me the videos because I'd like to have them. But I, I'd prefer we didn't share it. Sometimes it's nice to not share everything. Wow. And it was like, he didn't mean it in like a, it was just a very no, yeah, like, it's heartfelt. it was such a heartfelt yeah. thing. And I was like, of course, you know, like, absolutely. It's actually so profound. It's, yeah. I mean,
0: to hear, it's a good reminder for all of us.
1: Good reminder for all of us, and it also said like it was special for me too. You know, like I don't need everyone to know about it. You know, yeah, it was really cool.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a huge John Mayer fan. Yeah, that's a really (laughs) cool story. Love. Yeah. Okay, so what's something that people wouldn't know about you? Like, I know that your fans are listening. Hi to all the Jesse fans who are new here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, What do you, what's something that you feel like people don't
1: know? There's so few things left.
0: I know. (laughs) I I love,
1: I love food. That's not really a secret. I love barbecuing. You've been over to the house and you've, you've watched me in action. But I know what I just recently took. I took a pottery class like a week and a half ago for the first time. And I am obsessed. I mean, it was an introductory class. I knew, I still know nothing about it, but I found myself to be quite good at it. And also just in such a peaceful place. Like I haven't felt that way doing an activity since probably getting into food and cooking. And it makes a lot of sense because there's something very therapeutic about Mm it when you're hyper focused on something and trying to make it special. Like it really brought me to this really peaceful place I haven't been in a while. So I think I'm going to start taking up pottery more often, like doing pottery classes because I was just like, it's so creative, obviously. And you can just kind of get in your own world and it's like an extension of of your own body and like you're creating this thing with your hands. And I also had a great teacher. We did it for Valentine's Day, Katie and I. We went to a pottery class. It was really sweet. And we made bowls. (laughs)
0: Wait, this is so funny because I did a pottery class the day after Valentine's did Day you? and we made bowls.
1: Was it your first class? Yes. You've never done yeah. it before? No,
0: and it wasn't like an official class. It was just at my friend's house and she had like instructions and we did it. Did you love it? And I loved it. Isn't it fun? Yeah. And it's hard. my it's bowl hard. was barely the shape of a bowl. <laughs> like it was very square, but There were a it couple other
1: people in our class and their bowls were plates.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't get mine to not be like a I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a, like what you would put water for like a cat or a dog in. So I'm yeah. like, okay, that's what we'll use it for. Yeah, we'll maybe. use it for Hudson. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's so I fun. loved it. I just
1: really loved it. And I just felt like, I think also like when you try something new, I, I don't know if you're this way, but I, I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing, I don't think. But I like immediately need to be good. It's like when I do something for the first time. I don't know if that, what that means on my chart, mm-hmm. but I, like, I really want to be great at it immediately. And so like there was a couple of times where I'd go over to the instructor and like stand over her shoulder and watch. She's like, it's a little close. <laughs> and like I just but and then when it is good, you're like, yes, that's that's awesome. I'm, yeah. I need to do that again. I don't know. I just think because it was a good result and a good bowl, and then I can eat cereal out of it successfully, I want to do it again. That's
0: fun. Yeah, no, I relate. I think all creative people are perfectionists. Yeah, It's really hard not to be. Well, not all. Some to more degrees than others. Yeah. I'm such a perfectionist. Yeah. It's crippling. Yeah. So we got to push past that. We
1: got to push past that. (laughs) Yeah. All right.
0: Do you ever get like nervous or anxious to go on stage?
1: Never to go on stage. I actually relax like I'm probably oh, wow. more anxious and nervous in everyday life just driving to get groceries I'm like my mind is racing and thinking about things when I get on stage it's actually like the it's like my total release you know mm-hmm. like I'm just I'm at my most peaceful and it's just like my happy comfort zone I mean there was a time there's been a few performances that were nerve-wracking I did it I performed for a couple of presidents over the years oh wow and that was like terrifying I performed back in oh five I think it was I think it was Bush and and it was like him but also all of the armed forces at Ford Theater and it was like the most like everyone's in uniforms and you're trying to like loosen these people up you know and it was super challenging and also definitely I had a lot of shakiness in my voice in the first early bars but I think I think now like I've just done it so long that it's just feels like Second nature to me. It's mm-hmm. like my happy place. So
0: that's so good to hear. Yeah. It's so good to have. But I definitely get anxious.
1: Like I'm, yes. I, I definitely have you know moments where I can't. Like I have trouble turning my mind off at night, which I'm trying to work on and. I was listening to your podcast, how you're into I think it was maybe one of your sponsors, but I think you probably do. What's the stuff, the powder, the magnesium?
0: Oh, wow. So Katie um, and I
1: started doing that. Yes,
0: yes, yes. So that's the like, kinda, magnesium how, breakthrough.
1: So I'm trying to yes. like, work mm-hmm. on that where like I I've started drinking that with cherry juice. Have you heard this yes, thing? That's
0: so good for sleep. Yeah, right? so, yeah, and it's
1: like totally changed like my whole sleeping life, oh which God, is I really have to nice. Do that. So because I have a hard time shutting down mm-hmm. Same. so because of Anxiety, but
0: you know I relate so much. Okay. Well, then we have to look up. We're gonna look up your human design. I'm just gonna make my guess right now. Do you know about human design really? Okay. So, human design, it's similar to astrology. There's five different energy types. And it's the way that you use your energy in the world. It's like gives you the best strategies for how to show up in the world and in your career. Okay. I think you're gonna be a manifesting generator, so let's see if I'm right. Which then I can tell you okay. what that means, and the listeners probably know what I'm talking about because we're we're all because they get it. Yeah, they we're into human design. Okay, let's see here. I'm gonna put your info in. I remember when your mom was telling me you were like two weeks late or something. Yeah, when she was three. getting three. I
1: was like three uh, unheard weeks. Unheard That is I was so... a ten-month baby, basically.
0: Literally, I don't Just know how, how she waited. <laughs> the, the end of pregnancy is so tough. tough. I, like, know, I know. She's a trooper for she waiting. really is. Because you were actually then supposed to be a Pisces. Yeah, your mom told me that when I was very pregnant with Atticus, and I was like, I cannot be pregnant for an extra month. I can't yeah, do I know. it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, You're a manifesting generator. So how did you guess that? I knew it. Because just a lot of things that you've said and based on you. So manifesting generators, it's kind of like two types in one. And you're the multi-passionate. Okay. Multi-hyphenate. So you do so many things. Like... You love singing and you love acting and you love cooking and pottery. And so basically manifesting generators can do so much at once. And mm. you guys can handle more like energy than any of the rest of us, which is so cool. And you're a 5'2", which is called the self-motivated hero. Okay. And I'll send you all this.
1: I love these words.
0: I know. This is my friend's app and she's, she's amazing, Jenna, uh, with emotional authority. So you make decisions kind of based off of your emotions or okay. your gut, which is a good thing. Okay. Like you tune into your emotions to make those decisions. Yep. This is what your chart looks like.
1: Okay. It looks like a guitar.
0: It does. <laughs> yeah, the chart, like it literally looks, looks like a like like mandolin. A foreign language <laughs> until you get to know it. But I'm going to send you all the information. But for all the listeners, okay. like especially your diehard fans, mm-hmm. to know that you're a manifesting generator, a 5-2, is so cool. So you're here to chart a previously unseen life path. Okay. So there's... There's basically nobody who's paved the path for you, Uh you for what you're here to do. Right. That's going to be you. But you're paving the path for so many people to come.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: which is completely you. You're quick to master new things. Okay. Like we were just talking about. Like my clay pot. Yes. You can turn (laughs) the sense of unknown into a sense of wonder and discovery. Your energy is spontaneous and in the moment. You do. You have to do things that you want to do. You can not do anything that other people are kind of telling you to do that's or that true. you should do. That feels right. I'm going to send you all this stuff. I got to come here a little, more often. This I sounds know, great. I For a whole deep dive. <laughs> just, this yes, is awesome. I know. We'll have to look up Katie, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. this was the first thing I did when Atticus was born.
1: Katie's She's, the same as you. You're a Gemini, right?
0: I'm a Libra. Oh, you're a Libra. we're both air signs. Oh, so, oh, okay. like, they super oh, similar. Oh, I heard you talking
1: on your show about something. You said something about right was it a rising do you have a rising um
0: well i just had a guest on the show who was talking really fast and she said we're both gemini's oh, and i just i just uh, went with it but oh, because i didn't want that's to what I, heard. I didn't want to <laughs> tell her that she was wrong like in the moment right, but right. i was later like i think she meant we're just both air signs gotcha. which is very similar
1: gotcha yeah katie's a katie's a gemini yeah yeah
0: which is a good so you guys are fire and air just like me and jonathan Oh, really? Leo. He's a Leo, uh-huh. and I'm a Libra. Gotcha. So, fire, air. Atticus is fire like you. He's mm-hmm. a manifesting generator like you. So he's going to learn a lot from you. That's why I
1: love that boy. Yeah. I know. He loves you. <laughs>
0: I just saw, actually, a picture of you and Atticus popped up on my phone. Oh, really? Because it was exactly one year ago, from tomorrow, that you guys were at our house for Oh, dinner. Yeah.
1: Was that really a year ago? Yeah. Oh, my god. And isn't
0: that crazy? Like, that is crazy. These things always happen to me where I'll see the same person one year later. Like, I've obviously seen you since then. Yeah. But like the date just then it's crazy that, that it was wild. this week
1: i can't believe that
0: i know time is going so fast i gotta be
1: honest i'm so excited to meet your new baby but it's gonna be hard to top atticus i know he is kind I'm, of like the golden really goose. big
0: shoes to <laughs> fill <laughs> really big I shoes feel to fill. i'm glad it's a girl this baby because they're gonna be so different like i feel like if it was two boys yeah it's hard yeah honestly like atticus is the light of our families totally. like he's just the light. But this girl, she's just going to be her own person, so different.
1: I always like I think going in like Katie and I've talked about this, I've kind of always lean towards wanting to have a, a baby girl, up, mm-hmm. like, up front and first. But I, I swear we've talked about, it. like, after meeting Atticus, like, I think maybe a boy would be
0: I love would be that. awesome,
1: totally. That is
0: the best. I do Talk think there's something time. fun about an older brother and yeah, a younger sister. Totally. Which you have. You have I a sister and a I loved having a brother. younger sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: loved having both. But for Leah and I, we were together for, like, six almost i mean leah and i were alone for like five years it was just the two of us before timmy came timmy was a kind of a whoopsie baby yeah which she doesn't mind me saying timmy and i are 10 years apart yeah so we like so different but yeah having a younger sister was awesome That's and i so think and i think she liked having an older brother i have to ask her
0: yeah we need to ask her. i'm sure she did it's what every girl who doesn't have that wishes she had yeah it's like a protector and yeah you guys are all so close yeah. which is so cool i love them they're the best yeah you have the best family great fam totally Okay, so final question. What's on the horizon that you're excited about?
1: Well, the tour, I'm I'm prepping right now for a big U.S. tour. We've got 20-something, 24 shows, I think, around the United States, and it's doing incredibly well. It's like one of the best-selling tours I've had in like 10 years.
0: Really? That's so cool. Yeah, it's so
1: cool. I'm so excited that the fans, just like I have to say, it is so um, humbling to have an audience of fans that, still choose to come to my shows and still want to show up, you know, because so often that does, it's so rare in pop music, especially for that to happen over multiple decades. And it's just so, so nice and fulfilling, you know, to like know that people care enough to take, you know, their hard earned dough and come out and yeah. spend money and like watch the show. So with that being said, we are putting together like this amazing show. And we're in the middle of working on my set list right now, of what I want to play. And editing it and producing it. So the tour starts April 12th, and we start in Austin, Texas, and it'll be around the US for like five weeks. So all of my uh, time and energy right now is spent just sort of making that the best it can be. Yeah. And then maybe traveling overseas in the summer or or fall. I think we're gonna try and do some dates in, in, in Southeast Asia and maybe Australia. I haven't been to Australia in many years. I think it's like for me, it's traveling this year and touring and maybe we'll see, maybe even starting a family. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. A new little bestie for Atticus and our future daughter. Yeah. It'll be so that's like totally happening. Totally. And then are you performing in L.A.?
1: Yep. So my last show of the tour is here in L.A. We try to always end it in Mm -hmm. L.A. And we'll be at the Wiltern. And I think it's like May 16th.
0: Okay. So, yeah. okay, well we'll have to you come I'm going to be super proud You gotta get it.
1: Atticus Have you seen the little yes, kid yes, earmuffs? That's, my,
0: that's the plan Because it's
1: loud for little ears Yeah, it but, is But if you get those things It is awesome And we want
0: to. I want to bring him oh, we're for We're also sure. seeing Do you know Trevor Hall? Yeah We're seeing Trevor Hall At Red Rocks in uh, June oh, okay. Beginning of June We're bringing yep. Atticus So oh, I need to get gosh, him Those little sure. headphones It's loud
1: there too, yeah I'm yeah, sure yeah.
0: And then we have to bring him To see you Yeah And he's going to be like I know him I love it Yeah I love it I'm so proud of him you you're doing so, you so many much. incredible things you too jordan it's so inspiring and what a gift to have you here like thank you for I'm, coming on
1: i'm just sad we didn't get to do this earlier i you know. know this was so fun well, we you're so easy to talk to and you're a pro and you know how much i love you and, and i love jonathan and atticus
0: we love you, and too. Baby girl. Yes, we love you guys so much. And you're welcome back on anytime. I'll be back. The next thing we have to do is have Katie and Jonathan here. And we oh, can for do sure. a couple's Play episode. A couple's oh, that would be so mm-hmm. fun. She, I feel like she would be so good on the oh, mic, yeah. too. And she's
1: got all the dirt, too.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's what people really <laughs> want to know. Like, what right. goes on? What goes on yeah. behind the scenes? That would yeah. be a fun episode. Totally. Yeah, we're okay. down. Okay, so we'll do it. We'll do it. Yay. Yay. Okay, well, I love you. I Thank love you so much. Thanks Everybody listening, check out the new single coming out yep. on Friday, Yep. the tour, yep.
1: everything, everything.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we'll amazing. be back.
1: We'll talk about it again.
0: Yes, we will. Yay. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys.